Hey there, Vizini. This is Eniash. Hey, Eniash. This is Steven. Steven, Vizini, the short, smart guy from Princess Bride. Why are you Vizini? Well, I'm glad you get the reference. I had to look up his name, but this is the guy who's like, inconceivable. The only scene I really remember from that movie is whether or not this cup has iocane powder in it, right? Mm, yeah, well, yeah. You would think that if I thought that you would think that, it, you know, ah. et cetera. And this is, there's a lot of that going on here. So I don't want to go full Mad-Eye Moody yet, but this guy came to mind. So Good name for this episode. Speaking of, what is it that we're doing here? This is, it makes sense if you understand decision theory, where you and I discuss Eliza Yudkowsky and uh, Kelsey Palmer's Glowfic. Pipers. Uh, did I say Palmer again? <laughs> yes, you did. Kelsey Are you listening Piper. to Too Rash to an Advised? No. Ah, okay. That's the occasionally thoughtful read-through of Ada Palmer's series. Kelsey Piper? Yeah. Okay. Well, great. So, anyway, Kelsey Piper and Elias Rudkowski's uh, Glowfic called uh, Project Lawful. You can support us on our Patreon, where we kick back 15% to Eliezer and Kelsey Piper as well. And we appreciate all your guys' support, because it feels nice. Yeah, you guys rock. Speaking of people rocking, Keiko is now producing weekly HTML files with the reading for the week. So we know exactly where to stop. Um, wasn't this a note from last week? It is. I left it in there because I don't know if anyone else had this problem, but I couldn't open the files on my iPhone. Whether or not I opened them from Discord or even downloaded them and tried to open them, like it would just try to like, the best I could do was it would show me the HTML, which was worse than reading the website. So I put together a 10-line Python app that renders these. It's, so it's available now, but by the time this comes out, it'll be refined a bit to where it's harder to hit a 404 and shorter URLs. But that said, if you guys go like totally hog on this, it's, what am I trying to say? I get charged for use on this app. So if you guys go crazy and DDoS me, I'm shutting it down. But <laughs> that doesn't mean don't use it. I think you all can use it as much as you want. It'll be fine. Just don't go crazy. Okay. What's this about Ask Who? Oh, Ask Who was doing the cool thing. I noticed on the r slash rational uh, subreddit, somebody was sharing something with Project Lawful. And I was like, is this our thing or what is this? No, it was a user called Ask Who, presumably the same Ask Who from our Discord, putting up uh, AI generated audiobooks, which were, they were really good. Um, yeah, he put them in our Discord too. Oh, good. Yeah, well, it turns out that uh, after some number of hours, they start charging 20 bucks an hour. And I don't know how many hours this thing would take to read. I'm going to guess hundreds. So yeah. that project is over unless y'all want to get super motivated and coordinate a spreadsheet of everyone making accounts and generating chapters. But just floating that idea. I'm not encouraging you guys to put forth the effort. But anyway, <laughs> high five to Ask Who. That was fun. I liked listening to him. Thank you, Ask Who. All right. We have some feedback that we were going to plow through here. First from Shoefish, pointing out that Nethys, the god that uh, was egging on Abadar to drop extra levels on Keltham, Nethys was previously mentioned as the god of magic and knowledge and linked to explosions and insanity. And Captain Quirty points out that Nethys is true neutral, not chaotic. That makes a lot of sense, in my opinion, because, again, I don't know if this is still the true with the current generation of D&D, but back in 2nd edition AD&D, true neutral was the uh, alignment of, like, literally crazy people, schizophrenics, those kinds of things. There was often advice that DMs not allow any players to choose true neutral as their alignment unless they are literally, literally playing someone who is out of their mind and crazy. Uh, otherwise, force them to choose some other alignment. So uh, that makes a ton of sense to me. Is... All of like the alignment system and all that, is that the same in Pathfinder? I imagine it's the same as base D&D, but I'm not sure if the 5th edition is 
that close to what I knew in second edition. It's got to have some similarities, but you know, things evolve over time. Yeah. They probably didn't change everything too much. The only reason I ask is because I did Google some of the spells and their pathfinder spells, not D and D as far as at least the first Google results told me, I don't know if there's any important differences that said this comes up further down in the feedback here, but I don't know any pathfinder canon, and I don't understand the, uh, the alignments. So I don't know if I'm supposed to go do some pre-reading or if it's going to be explained. I kind of think that just as a nerd, you should know about the alignments anyway, because they show up so often. <laughs> like I, I'm aware they're, of the nine, but like if someone says oh, that they're okay. chaotic evil, so like I'm aware of the names, but Chris is like, oh, we're evil. And I'm like, well, you seem nice enough. Yeah. Like, what do you call the hordes of baby eating monsters? That would be chaotic evil. Well, isn't that what she is? She is lawful evil. So she thought that Keltham was chaotic evil. Mm, I don't think she ever thought that, no. Didn't he call himself that? I think he thought that, but I think she's smart enough to know that he's not and is just letting him assume that. Okay. Because it's better for her for him to think he's chaotic evil. Somehow. Yes. I mean, because he's going to go around telling that to people and someone's going to shoot him because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> Maybe. But I don't know if it's the right thing to do. It's a thing to do. I don't know. I don't want to belabor the preamble of the conversation with it. But like, should I Google some personality traits of the different alignments? Because like, you know, she seems worried about female empowerment, but she also doesn't balk, you know, at barking orders to a slave. So if you already know the three by three chart and I've seen various memes of it, then you know enough. I think the point of this story, I mean, not just this story, but the point of fiction that plays around with these things is to poke past the surface level, what evil means and uh, do like the sort of good kind of thing. If I, if I Google a quick meme, Voldemort from Harry Potter is neutral evil. Okay. My impression of Voldemort was that he was a pretty bad dude. Yes. Uh, not the kind of person who was like, you know, women don't get paid enough. Right. Uh, so, But like Darth Vader is lawful evil. So Darth Vader might think women aren't paid enough. I suppose. But he also wouldn't flinch at blowing up a planet just to actually just to make someone sad. Right. <laughs> okay. Maybe Carissa would do that. Who knows? All right. She seems nicer than Darth Vader to me. That's that's why I'm confused on this. But yeah. they are all they're also a bunch of lying, conniving Slytherins. So exactly. All right. Well, I'll try not to be as stupid about this as it might seem that I'm being. So let's push through with the feedback. Okay. Uh, also from Shoefish, I think the connotations of harem in English have changed due to it being a genre in anime where many women are interested in the male protagonist usually, uh, using reverse harem to reverse the genders and the term for harem-ish polyamorous endings in dating sims. This is still not the best of connotations, but pleasanter than the mainstream meaning. Uh, I want to argue with shoefish on this because i think the mainstream meaning is basically this kind of thing maybe maybe not maybe i'm just so deep in nerd circles but harem to me doesn't have any negative connotations because it's just like a whole bunch of um people of one sex being interested in just one person of another sex and yeah it comes up in anime a lot uh i don't i don't think there's anything necessarily bad about it i don't think of you know the the sultan holding a bunch of women slave hostages when i think of harems i think of anime with people having fun and making jokes and nosebleeds and shit i think that the the negative connotation i have is that the haremites never seem like people they're interchangeable just outlines of people i mean he's known them for all of an hour right no i know but if someone's a in your harem they're not like a person with agency that you care about they're one of the people you wrong No, I strongly disagree. If someone's in my harem, it's because they're a person that I care about and whose emotions I care about. 
Okay, well, that doesn't seem to be... Uh, you think that's not the normal term? I haven't watched a lot of anime, and really none with harems in them, but that's that's my vague take on it. And it doesn't seem like when Keltham labeled them his haremites that he was deeply invested in their well-being and cared about them as people. I mean, again, he just met them, but I think he was definitely thinking more in the nice terms. He, I get the feeling he thinks they're cool people and um, certainly wasn't thinking of them as sex slaves. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I think sex slaves is probably a bit too far for the average connotation. But yeah, anyway, you know, some of the things, if there's ambiguity, we can actually just canonically toss it up to like, well, there's translation errors, you know, or translation stuff between baseline and Taldane in English. So if people are quibbling over definitions, I think that that's actually like textually supported. Yeah. And I did get the feeling in the last episode that you were really down on the word harem, but I was like, oh my God, it's late. It's not that big a deal. So I didn't bother going into it, but yeah, no, I mean, if fish called it out, I figured might as well t- mention it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, super down on it. I like it more now that I get where he's coming from and where the story is. So, okay. Lalatheon, I guess, says that the skull comment, the skull comment about such a power move to drink out of the skulls of your enemies. Keltham assumes that you wouldn't permanently kill your enemy to make a drinking vessel out of their skull and assumes that the existence of resurrection explains that you would simply kill your enemy to get their skull to drink out of and then resurrect them as a status game. James SK concurs, saying Keltham thinks of himself as an edgy, selfish loner, but he's a baby kitten compared to the ruling class of Cheliacs. That had not occurred to me, but I think that's a darn good point. If you're going to behead an enemy and defile their skull for you know a dominance move you would definitely defecate in it right (laughs) no because then when i want to drink out of it later i always think about like oh god i pooped in this no you resurrect them that skull goes back in their head and even though even though the shit was magically removed you'll you'll always know so there was some talk in the discord about what the various resurrection spells are and at least one of them does not require anything left of the body at all it just makes them a brand new body oh that'll Uh, come in handy yeah, all, so all the cool you, ways that you get killed in, result in having no body afterwards. So, yeah, because Keltham, I guess, hasn't played role playing games and doesn't know that for like the lower level resurrect spells, you need the body and the body comes back. So, yeah, he's he's a sweet, innocent child. He's uh, he's some version of both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> excellent i forget who had the suggestion but i, I actually saw this in discord that the uh, info hazard that he winced at might have been like a brutal torture pick yeah uh i forget to give, give that credit to and i remembered when i read that that i found it plausible but then i was thinking well information hazard isn't really what i'd label a not safe for life image right i agree like yeah. a, a cog- cognitive hazard or something but i don't know if keltham makes that fine of distinction or if taldane does maybe you know um, i think I have seen some people use the term info hazard to be, you know, like things that you want brain bleach for afterwards. And I disapprove of that term inflation. Info hazard should be used for stuff that's actually dangerous to know, not just things that you wish you hadn't seen. Right. Yeah. So without poisoning someone's mind with like a a whatever brain filthy hazard. You know, like a, like a classic info hazard that's no longer dangerous is that, you know, you can just go to the store and put whatever pills you want in the pill bottles and poison strangers, right? Um, oh, yeah. That that was that would have been info hazard 40 years ago. Right. But now they've got all the safety seals and stuff, thankfully, so people can't do that. That was pretty fucked up. It's, yeah, it's just like, here, here's a thing that's dangerous if, people, if a lot of people know this. Yeah. And, uh, you, know, you know, a sad picture is not that. Right. Or a thing that is dangerous to you just knowing it. Hmm. I would ask for an example of that, but I don't want to have you share one. Exactly. Well, 
I'll brainstorm on my own. Okay. All right. Honestly, you probably shouldn't because then you might run into an info hazard and you'll be like, well, shit, I have now damaged myself and I wish I hadn't done that. Well, I definitely know things. Oh, okay. I've got some ideas. Oh, I definitely have some ideas then. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. This is fun. Now people are going to be, now people are going to be thinking about this. <laughs> people don't try to think up info hazards. There's a reason they're called info hazards. It's too late. I'm thinking about it. Stupid, sexy Flanders. <laughs> All right, there was a ton of Discord talk about what utility functions are and if humans can be said to have them. Uh, this is due to when I was kind of freaked out that a god just had his utility function inverted. And you were like, well, that, that's no big a deal. We can do that with humans. And I was like, eh, can you do that with humans? And I don't know. I, I'm, I'm actually not sure which side of this Keltham is on. Um uh, as to, you know, whether humans can have their utility functions inverted that simply. I, I don't... I think they can't. I um, the, In all the talking that was happening, there's people asking, like, is wanting to eat part of your utility function? Uh, or is hunger an input into your t utility function? How stable are these utility functions? And how coherent or incoherent are they? And so forth. And uh, I, I think ultimately I'm with uh, Wes and a few other people too, but that, that in real life, there's just too many inputs and outputs to model. And it makes much more sense to understand human desire as chaotic and ever-changing and not something that you can formalize in a utility function in a practical real world sense. Uh, but yeah. I, I guess you could actually think of it that way. Well, well kind of like how, you know, if we had, you know, full knowledge of the entire state of the universe, I could determine whether or not you'd pick chocolate or vanilla ice cream, you know? Yeah. And so like, like that, we could calculate, you know, if I knew that, I'd also know your, your I would also know your, your utility function. But yeah, people, I, I think that either yeah, they're chaotic and ever changing, but that doesn't like, there's a direction of things that they care about, especially individuals, right? So you can say, yeah, you I, know, whatever it is, they're, they're oriented that way, even if they'll misstep or change their mind or whatever. But yeah, I, uh, I don't think I ever said that humans could have it switched. I just didn't find it surprising that a god, you know, could cast a spell on somebody that would make them suddenly the opposite. Right. And and someone did point out that there's a reverse alignment spell in D&D. &D, there we go. Which, yeah. I, what, what, I mean, this. I, I guess, you know, this is my fault for not playing D&D, &D, but in my defense, you needed friends to play it, and I didn't have those. So, <laughs> Shit, don't uh, lie. <laughs> I, I definitely didn't have friends that would play D&D &D as a kid. Um, okay, see, that's different. A lot of people didn't have friends that would play D&D. &D. Well, I... So I, I guess I'm just trying to imagine, you know, like whatever you cast reverse alignment on somebody, and then what? Darth Vader becomes uh, chaotic good, uh, probably, yeah. And so, like, what? He, he just starts Robin like Hood. randomly throwing, you know, stacks of hundreds at people, and like, yeah, stacks of hundreds that he stole from people that he thinks are bad. Huh? I it just it'd be so weird to try and role play while someone did that to you. And it's like, okay, yes. well, I had this in mind, and now I'm a totally opposite person. Right. What would not me do? Got it. <laughs> yeah, or anti-me. Yeah, anti-me. What would Mega Steven do? <laughs> um, so. And finally, Captain Cordy just wanted to point out that the god truce about Ravagug, the one who eat wor eats worlds, is actually Pathfinder canon. So, cool. Nice. Yeah, I again, I think it's safe to assume that I don't know any Pathfinder canon, and I'm hoping that anything that we're expected to know will be spelled out. And it was in this case, so. Yeah. But it's, I guess it's not, not clear right off what is, you know, original, uh, an original uh, Kelsey Piper and what's a, you know, canonical Pathfinder. But I wonder if maybe that they decided to write in the Pathfinder universe if they're going to be doing decision theory specifically because of this God truce. That's a really good uh, speculation. Frankly, there's there's not a coincidence. Um, 
I wonder if this is what it's like for people reading Message of Rationality who didn't read Harry Potter. Like, I guess the canon of Pathfinder is probably much bigger and more nuanced and varied than canonical Harry Potter. Yeah. But it's like you're reading Methods and it's like, oh, yeah, the, you know, Quidditch is stupid. But you're not supposed to think that reading the canon, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, or, I, or, yeah. Or if you're reading the um, um, HPMOR and it's this big deal that Voldemort can fly, you know, like, well, that's kind of weird, I guess. Why couldn't just all wizards do that? And then if you read canon, you find out that he can fly and that it actually is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got nowhere to go here except for, I guess, jumping into the content, huh? All right. So the content. Um, wow. Right at the beginning here. Uh, I, I had a Steven moment as I will call it, or, uh, I know that's not, this better be flattering. (laughs) (laughs) I did not have a Steven moment. I take that back. Um, I, I cringed and I know there's the, the rationalist thing where like you, when you get confused, you're supposed to notice that you are confused because it's really easy to not notice that and just do bad things because of it. So I noticed that I cringed and then I had to, uh, interrogate that cringing in myself. But uh, at the very beginning here, Keltham said that he he thinks that he's chaotic evil and he thinks that he prayed to a chaotic evil god of coordination uh, to get his cleric levels. And he says, I'm not actually sure whether there was a chaotic evil god of coordination in, Gal- in Galarian before I tried playing praying to it. <laughs> and that made, that that was far enough that I even cringed at that. And I was like, oh, God, like you, what is cringing? Cringing is when you see someone assume way too much status than what you think they should assume. And you feel yucky about it, right? That's at least one of them. But I honestly have no idea what you're putting down here. Like, what what, like what was weird about this? That he is a guy and apparently, you know, an important guy, but who thinks that in the entire history of the world, he's the first person who prayed to a god and then that god was created. Like, either this can happen and people already know about it and you're not the first person to do that, or this can't happen and the fact that you thought it could and you were the first one to do it is just so dumb. Oh, the unbelievable hubris of thinking, I thought thoughts so special, I made a god. Yes, exactly. I see what you're saying. Yeah, see, I I read that sentence, and even despite the following context that totally supports your reading of it and not mine, I thought that he was like, well, I was just shooting in the dark. I didn't know if there would be a god there, but I tried anyway. That's more like I threw a shot in the dark and it landed. I wasn't that lucky. Not the idea of like, I may have created it just by being so thoughtful. Okay, okay. So you think that there, when he's saying, uh, I am not sure if there was a chaotic evil god of coordination, you think that he means, obviously, there always was one, but it wasn't present in Galarian because no one knew about it. it. It had never been prayed to until I did this thing. Right. Or it might be that everyone else knew about it. In fact, Abaddon is a popular god, right? Um, Abadar. Abadar. But yeah. I don't think uh, Keltham knew that's who he was talking to. So Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like Otolomans, which apparently a lot of people did not know existed until, you know, a priest showed up and was like, hey, uh, looks like there's this god of the world not being blowed up. It just occurred to me because that's the same one that's you know, no one's listening to their concerns. <laughs> yes. Because you reminded me that that's the one they mentioned at the end of last episode. And it's like, oh, that's disappointingly a very apt analogy to our world. No one's listening to the person who's like, this is going to kill us. <laughs> Please, let's not destroy the world. 
I don't know if Keltham was saying I made that god or if I lucked out, but Carissa seems to think that it was the latter. She says, well, I mean, if you can create gods by praying to them, that seems like kind of important and we should change our to-dos a bit. Um, yeah. I thought that was funny, but I, I don't know if that was them talking past each other or her running with a joke or whatever. I felt bad about my cringing, though. I don't like cringing. I don't, I don't like, you know, trying to status police people. Hmm. If he's wrong about something, he's just wrong about it, right? Yeah, but you can be wrong in a way that is more egregious than just mistaken. Yeah. You know, like... I just, I, I hate that, I hate that that feeling exists in humanity. It feels almost as bad as envy in terms of horrible things we should get rid of. I agree. Uh, or not envy, sorry, jealousy. I know that the popular terms are flipped, but traditionally jealousy. Right. I was going to ask what the difference was, but... Uh, Oh, okay. So I know envy, I know this, and I'm done. I feel done that I have to ask. But envy is when you want something that someone else has. Oh, and jealousy uh, is just mad that they have it because they yes, don't deserve jealousy, it. Jealousy, exactly. Jealousy is you want them to not have something that they do have, and uh, it, it's kind of changed over the years where people now just say jealousy to mean what envy used to mean that they want something someone else has, and that's that's not jealousy. That's envy. Gotcha. Jealousy is when you want to destroy stuff someone else has because you don't want them to have it. Gotcha. Envy is the mortal sin of coveting. Yeah, um, yeah. That's why uh, that's why God is a jealous God, and that's okay, because he wants other gods to not have worship. Right. He wants all the worship to himself. He's not envious, is, he's jealous. Yes. Yeah, see, I, now I get to talk down from my high horse and say that basically, the, like, I understand those feelings, but I, I almost never feel them. I, I genuinely feel like, uh, I think, what's what, I, it's hard, I don't know if this is the right name for it or not, but I think it's close to reciprocal joy. Like, yeah. if, if somebody is like, oh my God. Compersion. What was that? Compersion is the term used in poly circles for when you are happy for your partner being happy. Oh, I've heard that. And it was in something making fun of like all the lingo surrounding polyamory. Um, <laughs> I think it might've been the very bad wizards a couple of years ago or something. But oh, those sons of bitches. If someone's crushing it and it's like, part of me would be like, you know, man, I would love to be as smart as you, but yeah. um, you know, I'm like, I'm just stoked for you. That's great. Think, you know, yeah. everything's coming up Millhouse. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that that's good. I had my my coming to Jesus moment with Keltham last week where I realized that I was I was judging him way too harshly. So going into him fresh this week, since you helped lift the um, the judgment from my eyes, I'm enjoying like a lot of his stuff. He said, yeah, I'm not going to do anything more in that department until I understand things a little better. I mean, I'm not usually a fan of slowing down and doing all the paperwork, but I'll make I'll make an exception for this case. <laughs> but, <laughs> he, you know, he's like, OK, I, I realize something super important just happened. Well, I'm not usually a fan of taking it easy. You know, this once I can see the wisdom in it. And, like, yeah. I, I can see the the hint, the hint of a smile there. Yeah, I've uh, I've got gods doing weird things to me and the world. Uh, maybe maybe slow down just a little. Yeah, whoops. I, I became a high level cleric overnight, kind of an accident. So in, maybe before I keep <laughs> fucking around, I should maybe, I don't know, learn uh, I should be here for more than 12 hours, you know? Yeah. Learn learn just the very basics. Mm -hmm. Solid. Oh, man, he gets to learn the basics in this one. It's great. He does. He gets to learn that his the words chaotic and evil probably don't mean what he has been led to believe they mean, which is why he thought he was chaotic evil. Uh, he asks, how sure are you that there isn't an existing chaotic evil god of people having the extra properties and desires they need in order for lots of individuals to all get the things they want as selfish individuals without it taking a huge amount of effort and enforcement for them to successfully execute multiplayer strategies. <laughs> <laughs> Which, That's three syllables in baseline. 
Yeah, right. Well, I mean, it's only two syllables in English because in English it's ethics. <laughs> I, I literally believe that this is the definition of eth- ethics, giving people the properties and desires they need in order for people to selfishly be able to get along and uh, and have mutually successful multiplayer strategies. Uh, so he, he basically just asks, is there a chaotic evil god of ethics? Which is great. And I don't think there is. And uh, it, it shows a lot how these two societies are going to be clashing. I, I like your, your read on that. And I think you're probably right. But an- another thing that jumps to mind that checks that box for me is law. Law also does that. Yeah. Like, like it's a coordination thing where it's like, so my desire is I don't want to go to jail. So I'm not going to do the thing where I break the law and, you know, selfishly come out ahead because I don't want to go to jail. Yeah, I think the difference is that ethics works directly on desires. They are, make you want what uh, – is good to coordinate with other people, right? Like you don't need a law telling you not to, I, I was going to say not to hurt someone you love, although a lot of people do, but those people are bad people, right? <laughs> and so good people don't desire to hurt people they love. And that is that is literally the point. It is the crafting of desires so that you don't need laws. People already want to do the good things. That makes sense. I can dig it. Yeah. Laws are for the people who don't have the desires that we want them to have uh keltham also i was i was nodding and then i realized how useless of a gesture that was just (laughs) (laughs) thank you for nodding more verbally right uh keltham also as he's figuring out what these words mean says i don't see how revenge fits in as chaotic and i i like that too because revenge is an enforcement mechanism and therefore it's part of the great coordination algorithm in keltham's map uh, whereas in the Galarian map, it's what you do if you're pissed off at someone and doing what your emotions uh, say to do. And, you know, doing what your emotions say is the chaotic thing to do, which is why revenge is chaotic. Well, in in their in their terms. So I mean, what, yes. what, what would, um, you know, Kelthian uh, revenge look like? Um, I guess not honoring a deal that someone that you made to someone after they, you know, ruined a deal that you made to them previously. Yeah, Kelthi- uh, revenge in the Kelthian worldview is imposing costs on someone who has de- um, not defaulted, prisoner's dilemma term, defected. Defected, yeah. Yeah, yeah It okay, that makes sense. I, I like this, and I also, maybe this is just how Yudkowsky's brain works, but I, I really love all of his framing in things of, in, in terms of things being expensive. Mm. And it's it's not necessarily like, you know, money, you know, yeah. like, because that's actually a really valuable way to think about things. Like to me, it's, it's unusual, but I think it's actually really accurate. Um, you know, if, uh, I try to, you know, whatever, if I wanted to help, uh, the help the Ukrainians in the, in the current war effort, right. By, mm-hmm. by going there personally, um, mm. it probably wouldn't cost me that much money, but it, right. it would be very expensive in, in terms yes. of everything else. Yeah. And so I, I, I like that framing device. I'm going to see if I can, Keep that in mind and see uh, if that pays out for me. Excellent. Yeah. It is a good way to look at things. I, uh, yeah, I think so. It seems cool. I, I also just want to point out again that like Keltha maybe should have spent more than five minutes trying to figure out what the alignments and their implications were <laughs> before becoming a cleric. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that said, I'm, I'm sure he's, you know, the, the guy that he's a cleric of uh, is the right God for him, whatever labels aside, um, just because, you know, he didn't say, he didn't say, here's my alignment. Can I have a God, please? He just thought mm-hmm. at the right direction. Yeah. Um, so it is, it did actually line up with him, but it's like, before you start running around telling people, yeah, I'm, a, I'm one of those baby eating psychopaths. Uh, <laughs> you should probably figure out what they mean by those terms. Yeah. Maybe baby eating means know. something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we would like to know too. 
chaotic good all right i'm gonna i i I know i've seen these these memes and stuff but i'll I'll have to just noodle it and see what this looks like in real life uh or in fiction life yeah i don't think it it transfers very well to real life honestly no people don't have alignments that simple yeah all right it's more of a tool to you know play a character in a game well so you have an archetype that you can always go back to yeah i'll I'll quit i'll quit harping on it but i i feel i feel like they should have he should have thought about it a little longer that way i wouldn't feel so lost but i think that actually might be some of the point because they deceived him yes they did because she's evil despite being so nice (laughs) <laughs> you can do both as long as i'm i'm talking about carissa you know like how in the pictures it says you know person name and then uh the author in the third box what's that second box mean uh, just a tagline for the character like a i don't know motto or something memorable about them yeah keltham's is lawful chaotic and hers is to let you in and i have mm-hmm. no idea what the hell that means but i'm sure it's a song lyric that if we knew it would be very appropriate that that scans i like how autolemans is autolemans is uh they never listen <laughs> <laughs> that is great okay uh they are um what been goals? oh okay okay uh about prayer so i i still had some residual cringe from the very beginning when i thought that keltham thought he had created a god And uh, so Carissa is telling him how to pray. And she says, think about how you are blessed with the power to serve them on Galarian. And Keltham says, okay, I guess I should think about our overlapping goals and mutual benefit. And I guess that sort of inflamed cringe part of my psyche, like just throbbed a little bit again by reading that (laughs) as in like, you're, you're trying to think of overlapping goals and mutual benefit with a fucking God. And in, in large part, I was also still like, sort of in rapturous awe of Carissa's awesome prayer and like, I want to be your vessel on this earth. And it, it triggered all those things in me and uh, I, I regret it now. Um, so I, I was just, I pulled this out again and was trying to think again, trying to lean into that feeling. Why am I feeling this? Please help me stop uh, Lord Jesus in your mercy or whatever. <laughs> and uh, Guide me to the path away from the cringe. And I was thinking, you know, it's like, it's like when, as an atheist, I have been told, you just need to get on your knees and say this prayer and accept Jesus into your heart, and then you will have proof that Jesus exists. And boy, that's infuriating. And like the best case scenario I could possibly think of of something like that happening is me reframing it as something that isn't ridiculous and degrading. And, you know, that would make some sense in the material world. And that is what Keltham's doing. It's like, huh, okay, so instead of like, rubbing my face in the dirt like a worm how would i talk to my god if this god you know also had my ideals that'd be like okay overlapping goals and mutual benefit and um and so i just had to remind myself that that is um he comes from a world where gods do not exist and in they if they did then they would be sane and cool <laughs> as opposed to the the you know i'm i'm Literally thinking about Satan and Yahweh here, especially seeing as Asmodeus's symbol is a pentagram or an upside down star or something. Yeah, I I, I know what you mean, I think. And it's it's funny because like on the read of like Keltham being super arrogant, you know, him saying, oh, I'll think about our overlapping goals and mutual benefit. And it's like, what does an ant have to offer me? Yeah. Right. I guess we both care about the earth not being destroyed, but that's about it. 
And so like, what do you think you're going to think about, you know, our mutual goals and don't be so full of yourself. But (laughs) that said, you know, he just asked, he didn't even really ask that hard the night before and they gave him several cleric levels. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's working out for him. And that's where, you know, I don't feel so bad about him doing this because it's like, he just got magic powers the last time he did this, like kind of not on purpose. And he's like, how do I do this with a more, more direction? And and so it's like, okay, well, you know, I'll go think about it and then ask my God just to give me the the coolest spells I think I need today. Right. And And, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. And his God totally would be a reasonable, cool person like that. Like the big Lebowski isn't going to have a God that demands him to scrape and grovel. So Keltham obviously wouldn't either. I like that because you're right. And that's, that's something I guess to keep in mind. And this is like obvious, but I guess, you know, in the background of, of all this, like he really did pick his, right? Yeah. And and it, not on purpose because he liked, you know, he read about him in a book and was like, I want this one, right? Mm-hmm. He picked him by saying, you know, this is really who I am. And someone's like, ooh, dibs. Yeah. So, like, like I, they're, they're going to align very well. Yeah. Yeah. If, if it's one of those things where any god worth worshiping would be one that doesn't want that sort of stuff and would actually think about mutual benefit stuff instead. I mean, I agree, but there seems to be lots of gods here and worth worshiping you know like like an actual pascal's wager math does seem to come into play here that's a good point yeah there there, there this is a there's a whole lot of like the whole the list of how fucked up things here is is very long and they've uh, really <laughs> got to get on their whole killing all the gods project already maybe after they invent uh some decent metallurgy or something right not, not like that'll help but just as a baseline project Mm-hmm. invent a spell for summon spell silver or whatever that stuff was to make uh enchanted items yeah keltham is thinking about his common interest with his god and uh his plans to negotiate equity arrangements with asmodeus or his representatives and being a general outsider to this entire place and having no idea what's going on and this reminded me of uh, a conversation in the discord where people were saying that uh what do you call a trope in the real world a custom i call them tropes but Part of me lives my lives like Abed, so uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, then a standard trope slash custom in the real world is you cut foreigners a lot of slack because they don't know your ways, and when you're in a foreign country, you also do a lot to try to not offend people because customs are weird and different. And I think if Dothalan does in fact only have a single world government, which seems to be more and more the cases we're reading. Like they call their government governance with a capital G. (laughs) Obviously, if you only have one government, you don't need to break them out by different countries. It's just the government. Um, If they do in fact only have a single world government and it sounds, seems a lot like they only have one basic culture, then this would make anyone that's been Isakaid from uh, Dathalon uniquely fucked when interacting with foreign cultures because on their planet they don't have foreign cultures Mm -hmm. and they don't have experience with foreigners like they don't even have a bizarre past to be shocked by like if we're really wanting to see how fucked up things were and we didn't have other countries to look at we could just look into our own past and be like oh my god we used to burn witches and bags of cats and we believe this bizarre create what the fuck man yeah going to going to uh you know the town the town square hanging was just like a friday afternoon thing you did there's there's nothing on tv so yeah he he has nothing to compare like that so no wonder he's constantly just like i guess assuming that people are sane and rational and cultures can't be all that different because obviously they must be somewhat coherent and logical right and like no no they don't (laughs) 
And no one from Datalan has any ability to know this because they haven't experienced anything like it, except possibly the keepers. Like these these people are little babies when it comes to, to foreign culture. They don't even know what they might not know. It's it's true. I think that's a valid concern. You know, I think he just to point out though, I think he's doing pretty well. He is doing decently, so considering what it, I just thought. Exactly, yeah. considering. But you know, why isn't he doing a bit better? Well, because of all of what you just said, right? Yeah. Uh, I speaking of you mentioned that you uh like one of one of real life's uh, tropes or whatever that happens once, you know, commonly is uh we we give foreigners to cut them slack uh or like, you know, first generation immigrants, we cut them slack for uh not knowing the customs or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um I just need to point out that you wrote a really cool blog post about this that I hadn't actually heard that point made that way the 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 argument that you made. Oh. Oh, well, thank you. And it was, uh, I was like, oh, that's fucking genius. And uh, <laughs> then you mentioned how, you know, you've seen this used on purpose. And I'm like, that is actually outstanding. Uh, <laughs> not so, Somewhat related is uh, just to tease people about why they should read this post on uh, deathisbad.substack.com. But uh, like my great grandpa, you know, his his hearing was was pretty, pretty bad. Uh, mm-hmm. But when he was done participating, it, he would just act like it didn't work at all. <laughs> oh cool. yep sorry what no i can't hear you uh, and it's just like that that's kind of just like a whatever i'm 90 years old i don't want to deal with your shit kind of thing yeah it was awesome that's cute i imagine just like somebody like just making eye contact with somebody they're talking with and taking out the hearing aids <laughs> <laughs> nice i'm putting an end to this conversation <laughs> yep you can keep talking but it won't matter that's right uh i think i'm just gonna skip this next one all right well we've got a. Uh, so he's he's praying, and then we get like a cutaway to the gods chatting about it, mm-hmm. and it's great. Their 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 banter makes me find them kind of too relatable for them to be like these bizarre, you know, alien, incomprehensible, galaxy-brained behemoths. Yes, this this reminds me of Yudkowsky banter. It's great, right? They they seem like you know nerds uh, goofing around and having like just fun arguments, right? Mm-hmm. They, they do not seem like uh, like Uriel from uh, what was mm, Alexander's unsung. story? Unsung, right? You know, his brain at least seemed confusing. Yeah, they're they're just like you know they're just messing around. It, it seems it's great. Atalamans is like everyone shut the hell up and just chill out for a second. <laughs> and everyone else is like, mm, nah. <laughs> Abadar is like, hey, let me talk with the guy. We're both lawful neutral. And Atalamans is like. Fuck you in particular. You dropped seven cleric levels on him when I turned around. I love it. It was great. And uh, yeah, then Asmodeus comes in with like, yeah, that was super irresponsible, dude. I think the weird squirrel should be constrained to only talking to other squirrels and not talking to gods. Not until we have more information, at least. And, you know, Asmodeus totally doing the devil thing because he knows he's right in the middle of Cheliax and uh, he has complete access to him through his humans, but no one else does. And I, this is going to be a fun God. He, he's just like, yeah, no, I'm just being reasonable, right? Just look at the, 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 the contracts. This is the best thing to do. He's, he literally reminds me of my favorite version of the devil where he's just kind of like pointing things out and being like, Hey, you know, this is just, just reasonable. Yeah. You can, you can do this if you want. You don't have to, but th- this seems like a cool idea. And then people are like, oh, yeah, that is a cool idea. And then fuck themselves over. Right. It, it, like the real temptation from the devil isn't like, here, I'll give you a bag of gold if you let me kill your your family. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, if you press this button, a stranger, you know, one in a billion stranger dies and you get $10,000. Like, 
Like, mm. th- like that's much more like, bar- you know, easy bargain for them to make. And like, that's not, that's also a bad example, but it's just like, you know, tempting them with like things that are actually super reasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. But then Atalaman remembers the last 517 times she interacted with Asmod- uh, with uh, Asmodeus. And yes. uh, Nethys thinks this arrangement is a terrible idea. Why must Atalamans and Asmodeus torment Nethys so? <laughs> Atalamans continues not to understand what the reverse of a psycho- or what is the reverse of a psychology. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Atalamans does kind of remind me of Uriel in this way. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's just like the only person trying to be sensible. Yeah. Abadar does notice what uh, Asmodeus is doing here, and he wonders, like, is no one else bothered how often, whenever we have these divine negotiations, we just do nothing? We we take the null action? Because, honestly, we should be able to collectively do better than that. And, uh, no, no, they they just have a vetoocracy, too, it seems like. And it uh, looks like even the civilizations of the gods are inadequate, with a capital I, which, man, man that, that sucks. I mean, they're adequately not destroying the the world. That's true. I think, but you'd think they could do better. I think, yeah. I mean, yeah, it'd be nice if they could, right? Certainly, Apatar and uh, Asmodi, Asmodeus, Asmode, Asmodian. Oh, you know what? I'm not sure where the emphasis is in that word. I, I was I was trying to do the last uh, letter. It's Asmodeus, not Asmodian. But uh, oh, okay. The yeah. followers are whatever Asmodian church or something. But in any case. Uh, Atalamans points out that like, no, there's nothing wrong with doing nothing. Nothing is relatively less likely to destroy all of reality. Like if that's all you care about, and it does seem like they're at least Atalamans is utility function such as it is. I can, I can kind of model pretty well. Yeah. It's like, look, can we just not destroy the world? And it's like, (laughs) what if, what if, no, no, not, not, not what if that let's just like, things aren't exploding now. Let's keep them not exploding. Uh, That seems to be Atalamans is baseline. It, It depends on how close the world is to exploding. Right. I suppose like it, when things start to explode, maybe Atalamans will say, okay, now do stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I would agree with the Atalamans in that case. But, like, if someone is just inventing the water wheel, I'm going to be like, you know what? M- maybe invent the water wheel. The world isn't that close to exploding yet. <laughs> right. It's not, it's not too far down that slippery slope to nukes. Yes. Yeah. I like how um, the exchange between the – like, it's still just something I'm kind of starting to revel in with how this – this uh medium of writing is is done but mm-hmm. like yudkowsky gets to prompt kelsey with like i think the line is still no divine reply darn it but keltham does think he has some more spells and like that's it end of post mm-hmm. and then it's fun because these are time stamped and so either you know kelsey is busy or did some actual like careful homework to see to try and figure out like what could yudkowsky abuse with all these spells <laughs> but fully like two days later comes back with a list of spells that uh keltham has Oh, nice. And so, like, it's just, it's kind of fun because it's like improv. Mm. And so I did Google some of these spells because I figured, you know, it's not, I'm not Googling like, what, how does he use them? It's not spoiler stuff. Some people are allowed to know this because they played games, but uh, yeah. I'll go through a couple of them. Uh, I, I think Eagle Splendor, that was like the social perks in- increase one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charisma, right? Yeah. And then Vision of Hell. You overlay a realistic illusion of a terrifying hellscape upon an area. Structures, equipment, and creatures within the area are not hidden. Though environmental features take on an infernal appearance. Huh. It's like the upside down in um, Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. But just like, you know, this is something that they just threw at this kid. It's like, holy shit. Hmm. You know, let, let me let me distract you guys all with this terrifying hellscape. Yeah. It's it's nuts. It's awesome. That's interesting. I, I, I looked up a few of the spells. I didn't look up that one. It sounded cool. 
Yeah. Uh, and some of the other ones I can kind of guess, you know, truth telling, sanctuary, um, mm-hmm. aura sight, invisibility purge. I need to look up a glimpse of truth. That sounds fun. Uh, I looked up sanctuary and I really wish that we'd gotten like the actual text of the spells. Cause he says like, you know, Oh, this one looks pretty cool. Uh, what do you say? Sanctuary is unambiguously a huge fucking warning, <laughs> but like we don't hear what he sees when he's looking up these spells in the books. And when I looked up sanctuary, it said any, any character that's attacking you has to do a, a roll of wisdom check or, um, or, or they have to attack someone else. And like in the spell that he's reading doesn't say wisdom check on the ones that give you bonuses to doing a skill. Does it say D four bonus to the skill or does it say like whatever you try to do becomes between five and 20% more likely to succeed? Like I, I I really wanted to know what the wording was because that would have been extremely revealing info about the world and how it works. And I assume that's why we don't have it because they don't want to give us that info yet. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to see how these things shake out. Uh, They're keeping us guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like when he gets back in and he's talking with Carissa about it. Uh, he's being dodgy. He's doing that unimaginable thing where you're constrained or restricting information that you're giving or how did he put it in the first <laughs> chapter or the first reading? I, I Something like that. Yes. Yeah. Are they not being forthcoming? Are they being deliberately like trying to tell me half truths? Mm-hmm. But, uh, he just says, well, the most complicated I spell is more complicated than that. Uh, the most complicated one he has. Uh, I'm not sure what that was, but he's saying basically, yeah, I've got one that's a bit more complicated than whatever you're talking about, but not a lot. And then he says, mm-hmm. tell her thinks Taldane is a great language to speak instead of baseline. If you don't want your words to narrow down possible realities. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's, that's just lying with a, you know, nice coat of paint on it. Right. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's, it's not lying. Technically, what he said is true. It just didn't narrow down the possible realities very much. You're right. It, it, lying would be narrowing it down to very plausibly realities that aren't accurate. This is, yeah. but this is dodgy in a way that, like, you know, if um, you're trying to go it's into genie a genie talk, it's genie talk exactly. You know, if you're trying to go into a courthouse or you know somewhere where they have security and they're like, do you have any you know knives or weapons on you? Well, no. And it's like, in your mind, you're like, well, I don't see that, you know, my, uh, my pocket knife isn't a weapon. I use it, you know, to clean my fingernails. Um, <laughs> be- but, you know, it, it, it's like, a, it, it's, it's dodgy with the uh, intent of, of leaving you options open, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That said, he needs to get good at that shit real fast because these people are all out to screw him, it seems like. Oh, yes. It looks like he's learning pretty quickly. Yeah. It, it's weird because they're not quite out to screw him in the way that, like, you know, the Joker would screw them over. It's mm, it's yeah. like they're they're prepared to coordinate with them. It seems like unless they're all lying about how contracts work and stuff, uh, yeah. which I'm going to go ahead and assign that like a thirty percent probability. Well, no, they've got their shit together too well for like them to be complete psychopaths all the time. They're yeah, because complete psychopaths are like chaotic evil, whereas they're they're lawful evil. They're they're there to screw him like a uh, like a genie would or a, a lawyer would, whereas um the Joker is like chaotic. Joker's chaotic evil. Shots fired at lawyers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I think you're right. It's you know they like, literally both come from the root word law, lawyer and lawful. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's all coming together now. <laughs> so let's uh, see. Ah uh, yes, Carissa. When she finds out that he has leveled up at least five times, uh, we know it's more than that. But she says, "Wow, that that is so expensive to the gods. It typically doesn't happen." 
unless it like turned the tide of wars or something. And I was like, oh, oh, wow. Like that is, that's really huge. So that greatly rubbed a lot of healing bomb on the inflamed cringe part of my psyche when I was like, yeah, he's, he's not just full of himself. A major God agrees that he's as important as turning the tide of wars. So that's, that's pretty cool. And after this, I was able to much more ease into it again, into the, into the story. Because, because I don't know, like I, I didn't have my cringe hackles. Raised oh, again. I see. I, I helped, really hated that that happened. Grok. Yeah. What happened earlier? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah I, it's, it, oh, sorry. Oh, it just, it can ruin a whole story when you're cringing at something. Well, terrible. If, if you hate the character, if, like, I mean, honestly, I was really put out for the first couple of weeks reading this because okay. I kind of hated Keltham. Yeah. And it's one thing to like think, oh man, I hope this character has growth and you know, whatever. But it's like, even if this, like my, my reading of him originally was like, even if he becomes the best version of himself, he's going to suck. He's just mm. going to be better at it. But that's now I think I'm getting him better. So it's like, I, I enjoy him and I want him to win. Um, yeah. But what's fun about the, uh, the cleric levels and her phrasing that it's expensive um, to give, you know, somebody a quick five levels or whatever. It didn't seem like it cost uh, Abaddon. Uh, did I mess it up again? Abadar. I'm going to just try my best. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I knew it was wrong. All right. It didn't seem like it cost Abadar anything. You know, all it took was a nudge. Like you should do seven. Okay. Or well, because like, Netha said, I'll reimburse you for all the extra expense. Oh, that's right. So Nethas must be um, chaotic neutral, right? True neutral. True neutral. Which is the most chaotic alignment anyway, right? Because it's the crazy people alignment. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So I, I guess it's not clear to me what costs they could have. You know, anything I could give to an ant would not cost me that much. Even if I anything sure? I could give to a squirrel. It's like, unless I'm going to get you like the most expensive organic almonds I can find. Like, so I, I'm, I just, I find that curious. It's not like I'm, I'm calling it out as something, you know, whatever poorly written or confusing or anything it's more just like i'm intrigued as what costs can mean for gods if i was doing it in human analogies if you wanted to level up an ant into like a rottweiler that'd probably be some really expensive biotech that's a good point okay Mm. i like the analogy and you know since i don't own a biotech machine i have to borrow one and that's where the expense comes in (laughs) right yeah so that's where i had to borrow money from nethis who is going to be a really weird debtor to have so He's going to be the kind of person where it's like, can I borrow 20 bucks? Sure. I'll pay back next week. And they bring you like a sock full of pennies. <laughs> and it's like, here's your $20 back. Maybe he just repaid him immediately. Maybe Abadar was like, uh, give me the cash right now. Right. <laughs> I don't want you going to, the ch- going to the bank to make change. He notices that he's got some defensive spells and some truth telling spells. And he's like, okay, well, I asked my God to give me the best ones they could think of. So if they think that I need all these deception handling spells, uh, that seems like a red flag. He has the thought, but he doesn't want to just ignore the security flag. People who just ignore security flags are for children's books, not grown-up books. Yeah. And I just put rational fiction. <laughs> like, yes, that's exactly what we don't want in our smart characters. No idiot ball handling over here. Oh, comprehend languages was another spell. He says, uh, Keltham will see if he runs into anybody important who doesn't speak Taldane later today. If not, it could be a hint that he should find somebody who doesn't speak Taldane or a hint not to rely on Carissa's share language. Uh, yes. So what's fun is he's trying to guess, like, why did my God give me these? Yeah. And he seems to be coming under the preconception. I, I don't know. Maybe he was told that gods are super, super smart. And to yes, him, he was. he was. But I guess maybe to him that that is equivalent with uh, really good at not predicting the future, but making being. Well, yeah, being ac- having accurate predictions. Yeah, I would imagine so. Well, I mean, there's there's other kinds of smart. And I think that 
he's, he might be putting too much credit into it because he doesn't consider the possibility that his God might not be that good at predicting stuff. As long as it's a lawful God and really super smart, I would imagine it's pretty good at predicting things. Really anything really much smarter, I think, would be pretty good at predicting things. Oh, man. There was a movie, Paycheck, with Ben Affleck. came out like 20 years okay. ago. All right. And uh, he works jobs and they wipe his memory afterwards because they're super secret. Like he gets, you know, like when you check out a prison and you get your bag full of stuff you walked in with. Mm-hmm. And so he gets his stuff after the job and it's like not his stuff. It's like a ball bearing and, you know, other random shit, like a cigarette lighter. And, oh, and he has to figure out what all this means. Right. He left it to himself. Ah. And, you know, with like with foresight of the future. And so he's like, oh, that's what the ball bearing was for. And I can't remember if that's an actual example, but it was stuff like that. And Is this so, a good movie? Because that sounds pretty cool. Uh, I liked it when I saw it in the early 2000s. I'm sure okay. it's fine. I, okay. you know, I, I have a good memory of it, but I, I think that's what uh, Keltham is doing here. He just knows that the person who left him this stuff is smart. Well, I mean, I remember some, yeah, exactly. Which that, that is huge, man. That, that that'd be so disconcerting. You know, you yes. get like, you get a, a message from, uh, whatever, um, Omega of like, you should, you should bring a, a bulletproof vest or, you know, <laughs> you should, you should invest in a bulletproof vest. And it's like, mm-hmm. the hell? Jesus, what's about mm-hmm. to happen? <laughs> oh, man. What were you going to say? Paycheck sounds like a really cool premise, but you can't always... Everything's about execution, right? Like, Next has the most awesome premise in the world, where Nick Cage can see two seconds into the future. or no, two minutes into the future all the time. But it just sucks. It's a bad movie. It's a bad movie that is made up for with a good premise and Nicolas Cage. But if you're looking <laughs> for, like, a really cool use of that amazing ability, look elsewhere. Exactly. Or like a really good story put together with that, with that premise. Look elsewhere. But yeah. Nick Cage and uh, get a cool example of a seemingly weak superpower. It's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. It's an awesome superpower. Right, so, I mean, depending on what you're doing. All right. So Kelton will follow where she leads. They're going to the library, I think, with slightly more alertness than usual in case Carissa works for the criminal mastermind who is about to stage Kelton's kidnapping. Hmm. And I'm just rubbing my hands together. I'm like, now we're talking. This feels has a very like Harry James Potter Evans Vera's vibe. Yes. Maybe starting you're in work, on in on it too. Yes. Starting to work the starting to work the subterfuge. Yes. And the paranoia. Watching him go full paranoid with like all the intelligence augmentation shit he can get his hand on is gonna be awesome. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> Keltham's security guard gives him a few tips about what is going to happen and what to do if bad shit goes down. Uh for starters, he Keltham tells the security guard, like, if you need me to get down, yell get down. Because if you yell something like gun or fireball, I may not know that that means I'm supposed to get down. (laughs) Um, The security guard tells him that he can bond with Keltham and two other people telepathically for two hours, which I think might become important in the future, which is why I'm pulling it out right here. And also he tells him that if there's anything that unambiguously is a sign of trouble, I will likely grab you and teleport you out to safety. So I have that to look forward to or how it's fucked with. It would sure be nice if you could like trust a security detail. Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, I'm I'm willing to bet they're 100% in on, like, the let's spy on this dude game. You know? Oh, yeah, totally. So it's like, yeah, we'll teleport you to safety. Oh, whoops, the teleportation spell, it misfired. We ended up, you know, in this enemy prison cell. I'll go get yeah. help. Um, <laughs> Try not to get tortured too much. Right. But uh, th- he didn't clarify with the, tele- with the telepathy if uh, um, it's an every thought kind of thing where, you know, you don't lose your sanity because of magic. Or if it's a, you have to think at the, the tele- telepathy channel to, to cast a thought. 
Oh, see, I assumed it was basically like a walkie-talkie in your mind kind of thing. That's what I was thinking too, but it seems like a distinction worth making. That's true. Because if it's like, no, if we're just going to plug into each other and share, you know, again, without going crazy because of magic help, uh, basically share our thoughts for two hours. It's like, well, I don't want you guys reading my thoughts. Well, of course, they're already doing that. And he doesn't know that yet. He's going to be pissed. (laughs) It's going to be pretty awesome. I think he's going to be, I think he'll understand, but he's going to be like, you know, that's kind of an imposition on my privacy. Um, definitely while they're talking over the security stuff he just says question mark <laughs> and, <laughs> and i like that because it mistranslates what was supposed to be a, a shorter speech act yeah and uh i i think i've probably i've definitely said question mark in real life uh oh. like just but it's always like you know as a kind of like you know to be funny but also like hold on question uh yeah clarify that but i like that we should we should make that a, a thing that we're you know with that plus the the here from there gesture um, yeah, let's let's start importing some of these things. I I think Eliezer's plan is starting to work. Oh man, <laughs> it's it's like this is on purpose. Hmm. Uh, Keltham goes about and starts figuring out some of the spells he has and how they work, and they do that for a while. Yeah, he has this line when he's talking with Carissa about he's you know yes understood not destroying the world is everybody's problem, <laughs> and he says it like it's just the most obvious thing in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just like, God, I wish that was as clearly obvious to everyone on earth. Like, I think it's, he, he says, I think he, it's, he says it like, yeah, of course. No, that's everyone. That's, that should be everyone's concern. Yeah. But most people don't think that way. I don't think that they think like, oh, I can destroy the world. It'll be fine. But they're like, eh, it's not what, you know, what are the risks? It's fine. You know, let's not worry about it. Well, that's someone else's problem. <laughs> I don't know. I think most people just think that it isn't a risk. And if they did, they would agree that it's everyone's problem. Yeah, I guess I suppose I wish that people had a bar for what they considered risks. Like, well, you know, when they were testing the first nuclear bombs, they weren't sure it wasn't going to ignite the atmosphere. Yeah, but they did a lot of like theory and testing about it before they went ahead and pulled the trigger. Yeah, I know. It just seems like the kind of thing that like they, it, they sh- I was going to say they should have stopped and asked themselves, like, is this really worth even doing? Maybe these are some gates mm-hmm. that shouldn't be opened, but the enemy was trying to. So yeah, the enemy was going to be able to do it. They were really, really sure it wasn't actually going to ignite the atmosphere. No, it would just give, you know, it would just uh, percolate into a t- technology that can totally kill everybody. But oh, in, well, in their I defense, mean, yeah. you know, the enemy was working on it. And if the Nazis had them before we did, things would have been way shittier. So, mm-hmm. all right. It's it's a drag. Yeah. Yep. He does also ask, um, he says, I should take a look at whatever your local heritage optimization <laughs> setup is. And I laughed at that because like, yeah, they, they don't, I don't think they have a heritage optimization setup, or maybe they do. They are lawfully evil. They might have a eugenics program going. I mean, they didn't sound, uh, oh, you mean, um, yeah, I guess I'm the planet as a whole. A lot of it is just like, nah, man, we just, we just fuck. Yeah. And you know, if, if, if I'm one of the women who's not lucky enough to live in one of the six countries that gives women any rights, then I'm just, you know, I'm the property of whatever guy marries me, um, mm-hmm. or rather that I'm married to. Uh, mm-hmm. I just like how heritage optimization is a nice euphemism for eugenics. Yeah. Now, honestly, you know, when we're pitching it to the world, that's how we should sell it. Or I don't think the world will. Well, no, never mind. I was going to say, I don't think the world will be fooled, but the world's pretty fucking stupid. Well, and, you know, some, some things are just like, you know, the word has too much baggage, but the idea makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, like, again, You're e- right. eugenics from is a good example on, of that. Yeah. I'm going to call it her- heritage optimization from now on. Yeah. It's like you don't want, you know, that's that's why you don't uh, get thorough, th- you know, thoroughly thoroughbred dogs. You get, you know, a sad dog with hip dysplasia 
right? Yeah. You want yeah. you want heritage optimization. You got to mix some stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, Keltham is talking about his research harem with Carissa, and he says, you know, for my research hair group, my <laughs> research group, <laughs> which made me laugh. And also then he thinks in his uh, head when they, they're pitched as possible entertainment, he's like, ha, nice try, you blatant sperm harvesters. It is funny. Now that I get where he's coming from, that's that's hilarious. Smooth save, bro. Right. I also like how this isn't in any of our notes, but he mentions breakfast like seven times. I didn't count. I should probably just do a control F, but that's like, true. It, but it's just how people work too. Or at least mm-hmm. I, I totally identified with that because I do the same thing, especially like with lunch because breakfast I have first thing before I really start my day, but mm-hmm. lunch it's like, oh yeah. And lunch. And then, you know, I keep, oh, next thing, next thing, two o'clock. Oh, I should eat. And he's just like, no, I really need to do this before like my day turns to shit. And mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just, it's just like the, uh, the constant pull of his attention on hunger. It was very like, I totally got it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was nice touch, and he did actually get breakfast at one point. I think, right? Yep, I think it was uh, unremarkable. So fair enough. Oh, the word breakfast is in this reading fourteen times. <laughs> Damn, awesome. So he okay talking about this whole um, when he's talking about Carissa with the the harem research group and the entertainment and the kids and all that. Um, Carissa, it, it, it start it got kind of real around here uh just before it hits the real part carissa says you know uh yeah you said that you wanted a lot of children so they were kind of trying to give you that because you did say you want it she says if that's not how dathalani have children and instead you do some very enlightened thing that happens entirely over carrier pigeon correspondence my apologies and i thought that was you know just a funny thing for her to say but also the way she very nonchalantly implied that their society doesn't give a shit what these students wanted in regards to whose children they were bear, they will bear. Like they, they, some people in power just came in, said, "Hey, students, this guy might want kids. Go over there, and you might get pregnant." That is that part. It doesn't surprise me so much, but the part that Carissa just mentions that, like it's not a big deal, like that's just how things work. She doesn't even consider that someone might think it's fucked up that these women have no choice in the matter at all. That's what really got me. Yeah, but now I'm just falling back on whenever I'm confused by her behavior like that. I'm like, well, she's she's evil. What do you expect? I I guess so. Yeah, I think I was also feeling the thing where I was surprised by that level of evil. Yeah, it's just a drag. I was actually legit a little bit surprised that when Keltham says I should probably have more than 144 kids with many different otherwise unrelated smart, smart women spread out all over the world. And I was like, oh, OK, yeah, see, so he actually is just talking about straight up sperm donation here. I had still been kind of joking around with many women that he's sleeping with, but he's literally just negotiating a price per sample. OK, I, I don't know why I was still thinking that wasn't the case. Sperm banking sounds like a good plan, but he's getting comfortable with his, his paranoia with stuff now, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't trust what they'll do if they have his sperm in a cup somewhere. The only sensible thing for him to be to do here is, you know, to do insemination in the old-fashioned way just to be safe. <laughs> what do you think they would do with the sperm in a cup? Well, who knows? They're they're creative, evil people. I'm just saying, just to play it safe, he should he should make sure it ends up where it's supposed to hmm. go, and you know, put in put in the hard work himself. <laughs> Can't argue with that logic. You know, it's it's unassailable. If it means he has to bang hundreds of broads, then that's that's the way it has to be. He will pay that price. He will bite that bullet for this society. Yeah, for safety. You know, just just yeah. make sure everything winds up correct. Yeah. <laughs> then we got to the part where, to me, it felt like this was kind of the turning point of the fic, where 
before everything was kind of like poking around the world and joking around and whatever. And then it just absolutely shit got real right here. I was like, oh, okay, now we're getting into serious business because Carissa drops a massive truth bomb about women's lib in the dark ages. And uh, it's, it's bad. It, it's so bad. It is probably worse than what it was in most of the dark ages. And uh, at one point, Keltham, as we're getting all this and it just things, you know, get more and more real and less and less fun. Keltham does kind of like say, huh, would, would the world order implode if women could move? Like, would that just end civilization as they know it, more or less? And uh, Carissa says, probably. They deserve it, though. And, like, that just made me so more on her side than anything she has said so far. It was like, fuck yes. Preach it. Burn it all down. Fuck all this shit. And, I mean, in real life, I probably wouldn't want to burn it all down because, you know, complete chaos is is just worse than what the status quo is almost always. But seriously, I felt the inflamed self-righteous anger of, yes, they would deserve it and fuck them all. So, because like you said, you know, in real life, we're nice, you know, and we, we can, we can reflect on it and stuff. Right. But Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's such an understandable um, position, you know, to be in. Right. Like uh, the destroy it all position. Yeah. The vibe of like, yeah, just, you know, this, this is, this is hell. Fuck it. Let's just, let's, sh- let's shut it down. Yeah. Um, I, I totally get it. And then, but I liked, uh, again, more of the Harry J- James Potter Evans Varus spirit that Kelvin comes back with here. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah. He says that other Dothalani would hesitate to say they deserve violent implosion because they are. And then he thought, cause they are dumb enough to count as mostly children from our perspective. And I felt a little bit bad there because fucking Eliezer again, showing me the ways I should be a better person that, that I should think like, yeah, these, these are dumb. These are naive. Th- these people, they're, they're more like children than anything. We, we shouldn't destroy all the children for doing stupid childish shit and hurting each other. So I guess, thank you Eliezer for <laughs> showing me the light despite my thirst for vengeance. Well, you know, it, it's, I don't know if it's, it's quite that simple. I mean, it, to put another, you know, if, if we're determined to look at this in a way, uh, to put another spin on it, that is, mm. that is almost a, like an insanely insulting, uh, way to put somebody else down. Right. Like, that's uh, true. Oh, you can you poor things. You don't know any better. Yeah. But the thing is they totally do. They're, they're, they're capable of it. You know how I know that? Because we're capable of it. And we're as dumb as the, uh, whatever their planet is. Yeah. So like it, yes, we are, we're, we are kind of dumb and it took us a long time to get there. And you know, equality isn't, uh, you know, things aren't equal yet, but we've been trending that way for a long time and they're getting better, uh, with the occasional, you know, misstep, but like everyone who's anybody knows that, you know, things are getting better because of the increased equality that we're having. Right. And so it's like, oh, well, they're, they're too, they're, they're basically children. They don't, they don't, they, they, they don't, they do deserve that kind of judgment because they're too dumb. And it's like, yeah. well, as one of the dumb people, even I get it, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, it well, is, it is the sort of thing where, you know, I see your point and it is correct, but I'm, I'm trying to lean into my better angel of my nature. No, me too. I, I, I totally agree. And I, I, that's why I don't judge like the past harshly. 
Um, yeah. And that said, uh, what's the name of their planet again? Um, Galarian? That's the one. Yeah. I couldn't remember. I knew Cheliax was the country. Uh, Galarian. Uh, they're not at um, 21st century Earth standards. No, not it even very close. much more feels like Dark Ages. Yes, or possibly like early post Dark Ages. Yeah, so maybe in some parts. So in to to be right back on the train of totally agreeing with Keltham, like that's how I view the Dark Age people, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, again, they they went to cat burnings and shit, which is you know, as somebody who would kill all of you to protect my cat, I I find <laughs> abhorrent, and mm-hmm. uh, yet I don't I don't blame them. They they didn't they literally didn't know better right yeah so my first thought is like yeah. fuck you guys i'll set y'all on fire see how you like it but then it's like oh, okay fine you're if, if you die if you guys aren't receptive to my to, to the ethics lessons then you know then we bust out the pitchforks but <laughs> right uh anyway i like i like his approach that he plans out here next um first you try ethics then you try law yeah cool. and then it, so what know, is this fails you know you throw a oh yeah his approach here just throwing money at it like he, yeah. he 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 pitches to her like you know how how do you think this would go if we just threw an enormous amount of money at it mm-hmm. and it I think maybe he doesn't use the word money I think he uses resources or wealth or something um, mm-hmm. which is more appropriate because I'm thinking like you know if we just made things like post scarce but you oh, know he doesn't yeah. he doesn't want to explain that concept to her so he's just like if we if we gave him lots of stuff mm-hmm. and honestly I like that approach a lot I think it has real merit and yeah uh, Dothalan successfully solved any society problems that they had of that nature without magic. I loved how to, you know, Chris is trying to explain to somebody who's never heard it before of like, cause Keltham's jaw dropping moment of like, why would the women not put up with this? Yeah. Why don't they move? Yeah. Why, why don't they leave their husbands? It's like, well, it's a, it's a long way to go somewhere. Not everywhere wants them. And they don't have any money because they're not allowed to have yeah. any. And it's like, okay, if we made it impossible for them to be cold or hungry, like would this problem just <laughs> solve itself. Mm. And honestly, maybe, certainly would help a lot it's hard for me to like their husbands to try and hoard all the wealth or something right but if if it mm. became impossible for them to do that then they'd be like you know what i don't actually need you anymore why would i put up with this shit now they're able to actually just leave yeah so i think that might actually be his solution at least to solving this particular problem yeah maybe, and maybe if you put works. together a committee of pe- a committee of people to make sure it's distributed or whatever but it's like yeah let's just give them a star trek replicator and they'll be fine <laughs> like yeah this industrialization project suddenly became a lot more important right yeah, he was just doing it before because it seemed like the nice and prudent thing to do. Now it's kind of like a moral imperative. Yeah, yeah. is a good reminder to all of us that the slowing of economic progress often has real bad results. Like, you know, it's it's just one little regulation. So it, it makes it a little harder to find a job. But is that really that big a deal? Yeah, it prevents us from moving on to a better society, much in the same way that these women are prevented from... Uh, I think I'm overstretching this point. No, no, you make a good this. point because I want to counter with just the fact that, you know, sometimes that red tape is valuable, you know, just because all these burgeoning AIs are pumping out tons of money doesn't mean that we should keep doing it as fast as possible to keep making more money, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Safety rails. Alrighty. They're talking about what to do, how we can make this world slightly better. Carissa says, teach the bits that are teachable and father some kids with the bits that aren't teachable, I guess. Here in Cheliax, where we know who all the smartest girls are because we trained them into wizards. Uh, I I was thinking, there, there's only so many women that he can have like a real relationship with. And... I mean, despite my modern idea of, of a harem and the, the good anime feeling version that I have of it, I think actually Keltham would do 
a fuck ton of good by having maybe by having a literal actual harem because women who are part of like his household in an extended family situation and bearing his children while he supports them financially and socially probably in a much better position than 99% of the women who are stuck in houses where they're chattel literally like that life with him is going to be better for almost any woman than what they get in the majority of the country. I agree. Um, I wonder like most of what he wants to accomplish here, you know, pass on the bits that aren't teachable uh, genetically and teach the bits that are, he could also accomplish by being like a traveling professor, traveling professor slash uh, uh, old fashioned sperm donor, you know? Well, except for the fact that in their society, if a woman gets pregnant with, anything other than their husband's child they are thrown out into the street and starved to death oh right i was thinking about doing this in the first world countries um or i guess whatever the ones that don't suck whatever you call them on cheliacs uh, i think you just call them cheliacs i thought she said there were six countries where women could get loans i'm assuming that those are the ones that don't like i guess i was putting them all on the same level yeah she i mean there, there are six countries where women can get loans but it didn't sound like all of them had the same level of respect for women's autonomy that cheliacs seems to yeah that's fair so yeah, the his, the, uh, the traveling man whore would only be uh, the that that would only work, I guess, here. But yeah, yeah, no, that I like your idea. It's the downside there, of course, is that then he'd be tied down, like, and he couldn't keep traveling around and doing all the stuff, right? If he actually like had to be physically present. Uh, no, because like using the old old school bad version of harem, he doesn't really have to be present. They'd just be in his household and taken care of. And I think that's one reason why this might not. Why even the traveling man whore thing might not work in Cheliacs because once you are a woman, even unless you're in a relationship with a man who like is totally cool with you having another man's child, then you're just a single mom who somehow has to hold down a job in medieval Europe while also parenting a child, which seems much more difficult than doing it in the modern world. And literally, they just might need the financial support that uh, that he can provide in a harem situation. I anticipate that he'll find some middle ground there where he'll, he'll get like what, you know, manors or castles or whatever, fill them with, uh, I guess, whatever the, the most beautiful, intelligent, um, and, uh, socially beleaguered women that he can find mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, passes genetic material onto all of them. And then whatever, that, that leave, is what a harem is. Well, but then he'll, he'll leave them just a big bucket of money and go on to the next place. Right. You guys are all taken care of. You know, you don't need to get jobs. Go on and kick ass and do your do your research with all the t- school, the, with all the skills and tools you have. Uh, oh, I've got I've got more yeah. castles to go fill with. You know, women and children. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Even better. You're right. I, I think you can like have a, it both a ways. Harem endowment thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, I'm anticipating if, if any of this shakes out properly, he's going to be very very rich. Yes. Like you know, Elon Musk rich. Yes. So I I think that this will be fine. Speaking of which, instead of buying Twitter for $44 billion, Elon Musk could have funded so many harem endowments around the the world and the country. Yeah, I'm sure that every super rich person has those in the terms of, you know, NDAs and stuff. But uh, it's also worth remembering that, you know, he didn't write a check for $44 billion. They traded non-liquid liquid funds and stuff, right? Yeah, It's, that's it's all true. confusing. You know, like net worth. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is like net worth yes. and how much money you have to spend are actually different things. Right, he has forty-four billion less of Tesla and forty-four billion more of Twitter. So, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah. All right, all right. Um, 
Yeah, so so Keltham does ask, like, so what are these five or six regions where women can get loans? Uh, can we send our researchers there? Are there any regions uh, which would coordinate with us, but whose banks don't serve women? And he's he's starting to assess the world polit- political stage for allies, which I think is really it's cool, it's interesting. I, I am I am all here for this. Yeah, it's awesome. Like I I can't say this is the sort of questions I'd be asking on day one because I'm not my ambitions are would be much lower in in scope probably mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i i like how um like the the idea of planning this far ahead right yeah and you know like, again on the day before he didn't get the gist of any part of the world and even now he doesn't know the names of countries or whatever he's just trying to like what's the playing field look like mm-hmm. it's really cool because we're getting that picture too i just I, it's all kind of cohering for me in a way that i'm appreciating yeah um, she talked about wars and stuff and how there was one army that uh, didn't go around raping and pillaging. And <laughs> uh, he's just thinking that should not be such a high bar that only one country passes it. Yeah. And he says, based on what you know of me, is there anywhere on this planet that I wouldn't think was a mess? And mm-hmm. she says, I'm pretty sure you'd be upset about everywhere. <laughs> and probably about a bunch of things I haven't even thought to explain yet. Mm-hmm. And just I the whole the whole time I was reading this, I was taking notes of just like I was really looking forward to this moment. And I, I thought it would be more like kind of drawn out, but it's it's not disappointing at all. Like the the dawning realization of him just like again, if you if you came from post scarcity Star Trek t- style world, mm-hmm. and you came to Earth a hundred years ago, and yeah. you were like, oh man, this is gonna be great. You guys all seem nice, and you just you look around, and you're like, what the the fuck is going on here? Good God, this is more than a hundred years ago. This is like six hundred years ago, right? Yeah, whenever. I'm just trying to, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever right, works. Right, yeah. But then, you know, it's like, okay, well, give me, give me something. You know, that 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 army that didn't rape and pillage were were they were they nice? And she's <laughs> like, yeah, they were zombies. <laughs> and I just, his his reply, I just I don't know what the picture was, but just this, I imagine this dead pan of just like. <sighs> I'll be frank with you. I was expecting to hear something surprisingly depressing, but that was a little more depressing than I was, than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. He's learning proper pessimism. Yeah. Uh, no, the, all, all of this is great. Just again, the dawning horror of all of it. It, it doesn't disappoint. Yeah, it's good. And so it sets up high stakes. Like this world is completely fucked and, uh, it's on Keltham's shoulders to unfuck it. And then also he asks, like, my plan, the, the, a project to make the planet richer as a whole and maybe less of a giant mess. Are we going to see basic buy-in to this basic philosophy of just making the whole planet richer? And uh, Carissa says, well, you got Asmodeus. You have whoever your god is. And I suspect you'll have more buy-in than that. But if you don't, that'll be enough. And that's that's two gods. One of them... They don't even know which god it is. That does not feel like a lot versus the entire rest of the world. Uh, but I really like it because that means this is high fucking challenge. High stakes, high challenge, a lot of work to get this done. Really easy to fail at it. That is good fiction. I agree. It's because I guess I don't know what the scale is of of the gods. You know, mm. like imagine if Yahweh was at the um, Omniopolis meeting uh, in mm. Thor Ragnarok, right? Yeah, it's like, oh look, this one can throw thunderbolts, and this one, you know, can uh, move water with his mind. It's like I can do whatever I want. Yeah, so if like that is the if there is that kind of discrepant level of power between you know Asmodeus and the middling gods that everyone else likes, then maybe that would be enough. But it's it's 
you know, she, she's probably biased by her culture. That said, I get why the heretic police are so after her because she does a really good job explaining. And I, I didn't pull out the, the quote, but he asks like, all right, if I were to ask somebody from the country that doesn't like you guys, you know, what you're not telling me, what would they say? And she gives like a pretty long answer. Yeah. And I, I think it was, I, don't I think it was probably her. fairly compelling, you know? It, like, I mean, it, I think it was meant to be compelling to Keltham. I, I think she has left out a lot of things intentionally. I think you're probably right. I guess I was just, it was nice to see that she points out some stuff like, you know, there's, there's imagine, um, whatever, a really devout Patriot in the, during the, the, the cold war. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he asked them like, what do you think the Russians say about the U S? Oh, they hate freedom. That's what they say. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Right? But she knows that he's not a complete idiot. Right. But well, the thing is, is like, it, it also proves that she's not a complete idiot. Right. And like, we knew that, but it's just nice to see, you know, uh, even if the answers she's giving are, you know, sugarcoated or something, she's able to mm-hmm. think of like actual stuff. Well, we kill a lot of babies over here and they don't like that. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that that's probably a legit thing that they don't like them for. Yeah. But I, I it just, it showed a kind of uh, reasonableness um, yeah. that again, wouldn't pass the Inquisition police, but, uh, or at least would raise their hackles. So mm-hmm. we'll see if that develops into anything. Yeah. But speaking of not believing Carissa, I'm not sure if we should believe her uh, regarding that it's just Asmodeus and his god. And she says, maybe get more buy-in than that. But like, I don't know, maybe there's a potential for a lot more buy-in and she just doesn't want him going out exploring other options because she's trying to keep him in the grip of Cheliax. Oh, yeah. I think that's probably definitely true. Yeah. Which is disappointing because she seems so nice. Yeah, she's a very nice evil. It's almost worse than bad evil. I'll have to think of that through at length, but I think I'd rather have somebody that like I know is a bad person rather than somebody who's like actually genuinely nice and helpful right up until it benefits them to totally fuck me over. At least that first one, you aren't getting like that betrayal stab. Well, and you just know to keep them at arm's length rather than like cozy up to them. That's the whole point of them being nice. You're more vulnerable. Boo. (laughs) So the smarter evil people will always be nice to you. It's only the dumb evil people that you know are bad. Alas. Keltham seems to have a lot more faith in contracts being honored and enforced than I think anyone not from Dothalon would. Like, I think his background from a sane functioning society is really crippling him here because if I was in medieval Europe, I would be like, yeah, I believe you will follow this contract for exactly as long as I am holding more swords than you are. (laughs) Do you think that the first time someone says, yeah, of course I honor our contract and then pulls it out and rips it in half? Do you think the first time someone does that to him, he's going to just like stand there with his jaw dropped of like the utter blasphemy of what they've just done? Have his um, Ned Stark moment when uh, when she ripped the, <laughs> the paper in front of him. But, but you can't do that. Oh, but I just did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think uh, I think he's in for a rude awakening. At least he does have yeah. the presence of mind to ask the one one random girl. She's a student at a magic school. He at least asks her, like, do you guys do contracts good? Like, <laughs> I mean, he's learning fast. He's definitely less trusting by the end of this than he was at the beginning of just like this reading. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and part of that is because he goes to the library to test out one of his his truth spells because he's like, oh, I got a spell I can cast a bunch of times. Let's try it. Hey, who wants to be a guinea pig for a thing? I don't know quite what it does yet. And there are a bunch of volunteers to be a subject for enchantment. And there's a few categories within the last one was and girls who have never had their lives, who have never in their lives refused to volunteer for work at school and are pretty sure you'll go straight to hell if you ever do. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, the Hermione's. <laughs> yes. Although the evil wow. ones. I agreed with you when I read this, but now looking at it again and seeing the word hell capitalized, maybe they actually literally are afraid that if they refuse to volunteer for work, they will go straight to hell. Aren't they all stoked on hell? 
Mm. Or is that just like people who are super devout like Carissa? That's a good point. I don't know. Although this is Keltham saying this from his point of view. So he probably, it means it in the Hermione way rather than, yeah, he, he doesn't realize that hell is both awful and a great place in their opinions. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a good point. Okay. I, I, yes. uh, for everything that's said, I've taken in my notes to start putting the, to, to denote who's talking, but I didn't for this one. So I forgot what POV that was from. Um, mm. I wonder, they didn't mention that Dothalon ever had like legend of religions being a thing on that planet, right? Uh, I'm, I'm, I would imagine if just based on what we know of their society and the fact that the past is blocked off, I would imagine they don't have religions and oh, of they course, don't know yeah. about them with, with no past. Yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. So everything he learned about hell, he learned yesterday, but it still sounds like the bad place. So <laughs> yes. All right. Um, so yeah, he, the, the, he has this now truth spelled volunteer and one of the first things he asks her to do when he realizes it's probably a tooth spell is say two plus two equals four and two plus two equals five. And then she, she says two plus two equals four. And then she has, when she can't say two plus two equals five, eventually gets, gets out. Two plus two might sometimes equal five somewhere <laughs> under the truth spell. And we get an empty tag react for that from Keltham, which I, I thought was absolutely great. <laughs> <laughs> and then he asks her to clarify and she gives like you know a longer answer of like magic's weird i don't know man and <laughs> yeah. he's just like one of us is very deeply confused and i wish to eternity that i was sure it was you <laughs> <laughs> he's like i was fuck i hope you're the crazy one and it's not me <laughs> <laughs> yep so he when he's thinking about truth telling spells when he realizes they're truth telling spells in this world he's like wow they're known they should be incredibly useful. If they're first circle cleric spells, they should be in first circle cleric books. And uh, he did not see any in the first circle cleric book that he saw earlier. This whole planet does not look like a whole planet should if it is very easy for people on that whole planet to trust each other. Even if it requires paying a cleric, it should have a huge effect. Uh, <laughs> those are many darn good points all thought in a row by him. And now... This ratfic has to figure out how a world in which this is the case, because in Pathfinder, there are truth-telling spells in First Circle cleric books, uh, yet it does not look how you would think a world would look if people could trust each other. Now the ratfic has to find out how this world can exist and make sense. I like how he notices that he's confused, but I think it's just that he's not properly cynical yet. Yeah. You know, this isn't in the books because everyone knows that those things are easy to bypass, right? You know, of course, so that's why we don't, you know, have, that's not, that's why, you know, we don't have them on government officials, have these spells on government officials during important meetings. Cause everyone knows they can be faked. Everyone knows they're bullshit. That's, right, that's going yeah. to be the public propaganda. Hmm. So I think that the idea that there's probably like just deep societal lies that are told on purpose is probably still something he's not quite clicking for him yet. Yeah, that's a good point. But I assume that's, that's it. You know, it, it's yeah. a, it's a misinformation campaign about like, well, and the thing is, is, it it is technically passable, like we saw. You know, it like they get around it in this reading. Oh yes, although with a lot of magic shenanigans, right? But so, but but if it, as long as it's possible, you know, if you're a king and queen from different countries going to negotiate, you know, having this spell on you is worth fuck all because you both know that the other ones could be, you know, moving a mountain to circumvent the truth spell. Yeah, yeah. So, but that they, said, to you know, people working at a regular business trying to coordinate a contract, it seems like worth doing, right? Absolutely. But yeah. I think, again, I think that to, in order to sell the lie that this doesn't really do that much, they probably just people don't trust it. Kind of like yeah. how not everyone used Veritaserum in Harry Potter. And it's like, it's not because it didn't work. It did, but it, it 
didn't work under some very specific circumstances, you know, like if you're a perfect Oculus or something, or at least a good one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, then, you know, it's, it's like a lie detector that only works most of the time. Yeah. So like putting a ton of weight on it doesn't really do anything. And if you tell me that it works on you, that doesn't mean anything to me either. Yes. (laughs) I I loved all of this. He's he's fine. You know, there's just a lot of like, uh, I think you pulled this out as he's climbing the ladder of paranoia here. I, I let you have all these, uh, or cause I had them too, but I left your notes in for all these in a row here. Okay, cool. Okay. So yeah, shall we, shall we go through the various rungs of the ladder of paranoia? Let's do it. Before he gets on the ladder, he asks if it's okay. If he asks one or two questions about the situation, truth serum girl says, yes, of course. He asked more, far more than one or two questions. I counted at least eight, and there's several that we don't hear specifically. In his defense, the questions, he thought he was going to get straight, simple answers. But every question just begot more questions. (laughs) I think he should have been able to, first of all, he should have been able to foresee that. And second of all, once he got past like the third question, he he should have said, I'm sorry, I have a lot more. Is it okay if we keep going? Right. Or he could have opened with like, how about I ask you questions till I get tired or you opt out? No, no hard feelings. Yeah. That's that's a standard thing in most uh, consent forms with any sort of uh, study or interrogation like this, right? Yep. I, I do harmless long form, you know, uh, questionnaires for like the twin study thing that I'll do. And even they say on every one after 30 years still, it's like you can, you, if, if at any point you want to quit, you can. And it's like, great. Yeah. I know. Thanks. I won't get, I won't get uh, annoyed about ask, you know, being asked whatever random questions though. Right. But it, but you put that on the standard disclaimer. Uh, maybe he knew that it was implied, you know, like, cause they don't waste ink with that very standard disclaimer on their, t- on their studies on Dafalon. Yeah. But it's, it's, specifically not implied in this situation in fact the opposite is implied if she were to say i'd like to stop answering questions <laughs> now it, he would immediately draw the conclusion there i just asked some shit she doesn't want to answer there's bad answers there and she knows that he would think that and so like she can't ever stop she knows because he told him or because he told her which is nice of him you know because he, he, <laughs> he's just being honest he's like i wish i could promise that i won't that i won't update on anything you refuse but realistically i can't actually promise that yeah it's like, yeah, the second you say, I refuse to answer that question, it's like, okay, well, that's because it's a bad answer, isn't it? I've, honestly, I wish you would have been like on the fourth question and say, hey, this is the fourth question, just so you know, to call him out on it a bit. But eh, I think they're in a society where if her doing that would have probably gotten her torture if it was anyone in her society that was higher status than her. So there's no way in fuck she's going to do that. And he doesn't know this about her their society yet. Yeah. I, I feel what you're, where, where you're coming from, but I, I still give him a pass. Like he's finally got something like a reliable source of information. Yeah. And he's like, I, you know, I'm going to just kind of keep pushing. Um, I get, I feel, I feel almost like this is, this is the split that you must have felt yesterday when I was like, no, I wouldn't say please. And thank you to a servant. I'd be like, <laughs> go get me my dinner. <laughs> and now I'm like, Wait, what do you mean? He didn't apologize after the third question. <laughs> he obviously should have. And you're like, whatever. He's on a roll. Well, this is an evil society. You know, that's yeah. She could have pointed at any time. She's like, you said one or two. Yeah. She could have done that after answering a question before he asked another one. But people, people just taking advantage of other people is probably something that happens here all the time. So, yeah, totally. Oh man. All right. So, so he, uh, yeah, he asks her a bunch of questions, and I just kind of instead of having the whole questions because they're very long and genie oriented, and her answers are just as bad. Uh, I have distilled them to their essences. Uh, the first thing occult masks is like, "Hey, y'all been roughly honest with me?" And she says, "Yeah, basically." 
Um, and at this point, Elias Abarco, apparently is the name of one of the spying wizards that is invisible and mind reading, says he has a problem. The problem is that Keltham is presumably thinking he'll use the tech magic to check whether his enhanced enchantment is still in place and he's gonna and that would work except uh elias el barco is going to cast some illusions um but what he he really needs is a a greater magic aura spell and there's got to be a scroll in it somewhere uh because otherwise keltham is going to know that they fucked around and and she was lying to him the whole time and they don't want that they need this greater magic aura uh elias barco vanishes this is noticeable to about half the assembled persons, but they all have good poker faces. And to me, that was like really good. I, I was feeling some tension because, first of all, there's time pressure. The guy needs to go get the stuff before Keltham answers all his questions. We don't know if he's going to. And more importantly, like regardless of how this resolves in the end, like lots of times, if there's going to be a conflict, you can somehow guess that it's not going to lead to the hero dying, right? But in this case, no matter how it resolves, no one's going to die, and the story's going to take two drastically different turns, whether he is successfully deceived or not. So I'm actually really unsure which way it's going to go and interested in seeing the uh, the answer. So I, I was hyped for this. Strong agreement. This was riveting. It's just one line, but it's it's important. The fact that he does this is noticeable to about half the assembled persons, but they all have good poker faces. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're all about his age, they're all teenagers. And yet they're all so used to this level of shit that they don't blink. This really is like the Slytherin common room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it'd be fun if that's what you want to do but if you don't know you're playing that game it's going to be a drag that said one of his spells one of them is detect aura so oh. he didn't cast it i don't think he knows that he has it per se but mm-hmm. at some point he's gonna be like okay i've got aura sight i'm gonna use that next time because I've, I've read about scrolls that can do convoluted stuff assuming scrolls work like they do in video games scrolls let you cast magic that you can't actually cast but it uses aura up the scroll. sight i want to look up what aura sight is now i just assumed this guy he wants a spell of greater magic aura. If aura sight doesn't let you notice that, I'm going to be disappointed in the name of it. <laughs> this spell makes your eyes glow and allows you to see alignment auras within 120 feet of you. Oh. The effect is similar to that of detect chaos, evil, good law spells, but aura sight does not require concentration and it discerns an aura's location and power more quickly. Okay, so if it's, it's for knowing alignments, not for that thing. Gotcha. Well, there's glimpse of truth and spell immunity. Those might help. And invisibility purge might be, you know, strong enough to oh. knock these people out, right? Yeah. I can't wait until he learns more of his spells. And th- this is just the stuff he gets on day one. Yeah. Yeah. This is this Dude, is awesome. his, his god really did know what he was doing. If only his god could throw a book at him. Right? I know. Like, here's the book of all the stuff you actually have. Don't let those morons lie to you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is probably not even lunchtime yet. He's still got the rest of his second day here to, to learn that they're trying to fuck him over. So He's probably still waiting on his breakfast. <laughs> no, he had that very un, un, uh, remarkable breakfast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thankfully. Question two, is the government concealing anything major from me? Nah, bro, you're good. (laughs) That was great. And it was uh, halfway through that question that I think she had the truth spell purged from her. His third question, can I trust agreements I sign with Cheliax? She says totes. He has this interesting thought. They don't actually know how to be lawful. That much is obvious at a glance. So that prompts him to ask question number four. Do I got to assume, you know, genie level devil lawyer tricks here? She says, yeah, we're basically pretty chill here. It's in the name even, which I put in there because I asked on the Discord, how do you pronounce Chiliax? And apparently it's Chiliax, so they're they're pretty chill. While we're on the topic of pronunciations, if anybody knows if it's Asmodeus or Asmodeus or some third other option, please let us know. Or don't, and enjoy us torturing the pronunciation <laughs> in a variety of ways every week. 
I can't find exactly when the guy shows back up. Like at the end, it, it's a paragraph from him again saying how awesome he is that I pulled out. But when we find out at the very end, yeah, to keep the tension going as long as possible. Yeah, it doesn't say when he when he got to use the scroll though. But he was in and out in three minutes, so it wasn't at the end of his long line of questioning. That's for sure. He dispelled the truth spell and put up an illusion before uh, the part we read, where he says that he has a problem because in his very first question, she stalls for a bit. And then we hear that should be enough time for an illusion and a dispel. And then she says oh. something which is more directly dishonest and it comes out just fine. And right after she says that, that's where it says Elias Abarco has a problem because he has cast the dispel and the illusion. And now he knows what Keltham's counter is going to be afterwards. And he knows how to counter the counter, but he can't do it from where he's standing. And that's why there's a problem. Gotcha. I thought that he couldn't cast the disillusionment or whatever until he got back. But no, you're right. I think that he he thwarted the truth serum. And then yeah. he's like, all right, now I got to cover up the fact that I that we thwarted that. Mm-hmm. Okay, man, this is great. Everyone's trying to just speed chess each other here. Yeah. Which Kelton doesn't even know that he, well, he, he only suspects he's playing chess, but he doesn't know the rules. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I liked uh, his question five is one of my favorites. You know, what should I have asked? I, that's one of my favorite questions. I, I try to use that frequently in real life, too. Uh, mm-hmm. We do that whenever we interview somebody on the podcast. We usually do. Yes. Sometimes yeah. we forget. It's a good one of just like, hey, what should people ask you about? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Man, I wonder if she had had, if she had been compelled to give a real answer to that question. Mm. She even asks like, you know, how high does like the counter, 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 counter spell ladder go? Her answer when he says, what should I ask you is what's with the queen or who can I trust? So his question number six is what's with the queen? And then he asks, how would you defeat the truth spells? Yeah. And uh, her answer was, I don't know what's up with the queen. Um, I've never met her. Here's some history that I've learned. And then, yeah, for how do you defeat the truth spells, we get the counter, 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 counter things. And his eighth question is, teach me how to win at counter, 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 counter. I liked how then he says, uh, tell me that you haven't left out any obvious other tactics I could use. She says, I haven't left out any other obvious tactics, tactics that you could use. I don't think that's a lie. Even even if she was still compelled to tell the truth. He just said, tell me that. Oh my God. You're right. He said, tell me. She literally just repeats those words back to him. Yeah. Oh, that is fantastic. I think that that would be one way, if she was still actually under truth compulsion, that she could have, I think she could have said the same thing. Yeah. He didn't say, have you? Question mark? Yes. <laughs> oh, that was a great catch on your part. Awesome. I liked uh, Elias Abarco tucks a used scroll neatly away in the pocket dimension he's wearing as a belt and surveys the girls who's, oh, to see who is impressed enough with, by his ability to find a scroll of greater magic aura in a magic shop in Absalom in under three minutes, including both teleports, getting back with a minute to spare, uh, seeing who's impressed enough with that, that they might fuck him while Keltham is delaying for sperm negotiation reasons. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, that is cool. slithering through and through. Yep. They get through that and Keltham stays deceived. For now. I looked up cantrip, and it's old school, I think, Irish for magic. Oh, okay. Cantrips are very, very low-level spells that consider like level zero spells that do almost nothing. And what's it mean to catch? I don't know, but it sounds like they say they need a haste to make it work. So I guess if you roll a dexterity check or something, you don't count as having lost your spell because it's that simple. Like, there's no other spell where you get it back immediately upon casting, no matter what you roll as far as I know, uh, where it sounds like in Pathfinder, if you cast a cantrip, you can roll a quick check, and if you pass, hey, you get the spell back. Oh, okay. just that simple and useless. That makes sense, though, and that, that would explain why like everyone has detect magic. 
Mm. And it's like, no, man, I'm going, I'm going to the library today. I don't need detect magic. I need all my reading spells, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if it's, if it's a free slot and it's a free action, then yeah, go nuts. And they're happy to demonstrate it. And some can do it while talking, some while standing on one foot. Two of them demonstrate that they can do it while kissing each other, which Ooh. it's a safe bet that lesbian porn would be a, you know, a universal among hominids. But mm-hmm. it's kind of fun that that's, that's something that they would consider. And they're probably straight, straight on with that one, right? Hell yeah. He does ask her at the end, was everything you said the truth? She says, everything I said so far was the truth, shakily. I did like this a lot, how Eliezer and Kelsey were just throwing back and forth to each other. Like, he comes up with a question. She comes up with an answer. It, it was it was really fun watching that. And it had to be so much fun to fucking write it because you don't know what the other person's going to... Like, she doesn't know what Eliezer's about to ask next. And he doesn't know how, what her reply is going to be. And they just playing off each other. A lot more fun than... I mean, you could write all this just as a single person. It would still be a lot of fun. But significantly more fun when there's another person you're playing with. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I guess I don't know how accurate these timestamps are. Some of them, they reply within two minutes. Granted, in real life, you don't even have two minutes. But in writing, you have all the time in the world. But they don't. They're trying to play this back and forth with each other as fast as possible. Yeah. Like, I couldn't write this paragraph in three minutes, even if I was just transcribing it. So Kelsey's thinking of it and typing it at the same time. I'd have to just be the funnest afternoon ever, man. Yeah. I bet it was fun for them to do and it was fun for us to read, so... And speaking of the Glowfic format, Eliezer writes in during his tag, Keltham turns back to the truth spell subject and says, try sing out loud, this sentence is false. He is at this point concentrating on keeping his spell going. Greater detect magic requires concentration to keep going. He gives her that order while he's concentrating to keep the spell going. Eliezer ends the tag with, did he manage to maintain concentration during that? And Kelsey replies, he's still holding on to his magic detection. Which is really cool. It's literally a direct query to the DM. Hey, did this work? Did my skill check pass? And obviously the DM is not rolling the dice in this case. She's just deciding that, yeah, it'll be cool for the story if he can. He passes the skill check. This whole working with two authors and asking the other one how the results of an action go. Really cool. Yeah. Like last week, it was like, I open a random book. What does it say? Mm-hmm. And she's just like, oh, I'm glad you asked. I've got tons of lore just sitting in my brain. Let's do this. And that also opens up the opportunity for him too to be told, nope, it didn't try something else. You know, that plan failed. Yeah. It's like it does keep them on their feet. This is so cool. Yeah. We get a few more questions without consequence. And then the final question he asks her on a, is on a scale of way too little to way too much. Would you say that I'm currently being more suspicious than is appropriate for Galarian in general and Chelyax in particular or not suspicious enough? And her answer is that that depends on what you're doing. Which is a, such a non-answer. Yeah. I just put it in there for completeness since we covered so many other questions. Oh, no, totally. Hey, am I am I being paranoid enough? And frankly, the answer is always no, right? <laughs> well, no, now, it's, it's possible life, no. Yeah, that, you're, that you could be spending way too much energy being paranoid. But yeah. it's like with the level of, again, you just heard about seven dimensional chess that you play against each other. No, man, not even close. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he doesn't know about the seven dimensional chess that's being played. He only knew about two of the dimensions. Well, I th- oh, yeah, because so, when he asks her about counter, counter, counter moves, she's already able to lie. Yeah. Um, Carissa goes to go do something. Um, yeah, she runs off to check with her handlers. What's going on? What do we say? What do we do? Uh, how do we continue to massage the situation? She is told that Contessa Luria, Lurit, God damn it, Lurlatha. I was going to try, but I think I would stumble. As, l- yeah, I, I can't do it. Let's say uh, Lurlatha. Contessa L. Yeah, Contessa is fine. It's a, it's okay. a sick name. Yeah. Or Contessa L, whatever works. So she's told that Contessa L is showing up here. She says, fuck, 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 fuck. 
that's the devil provided personally by Asmodeus to the queen as an advisor. So we're about to see something cool coming up in the next reading. Yeah, personal devil. Yes. Um, Oh, the other thing that Krista did, though, she noticed that the symbol on uh, whatever Truth Serum Girl's forehead when he cast the spell was uh, um, Abadar's. Yeah. And so So she she knows what god he's prayed to. I love how she's playing it in the middle, though. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she's like, I'm not going to tell him. Yeah. But But she says, that thing looks familiar. We should research it. Yeah, which means we're going to go find the answer. Um, I guess because when he does eventually figure it out, it's not going to be plausible that she couldn't have known. Right. And so she's she's playing, you know, ahead for that that move. Yeah. Like, at some point, he's going to find out that what that symbol was and that she saw it and he's going to be like, what the fuck? Why didn't you tell me? And at this point she can say, I did. I just didn't recognize it exactly. And this leaves her option open to check in with the handlers and be like, yo, are you getting rid of all the books that have the symbol in them so that he can't find out? (laughs) And are you planning on finding all the rest of them on the planet and destroying those two just in case? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. The, uh, so this is where I think that things are going to turn. That's why this was a great cliffhanger. While waiting for Krista to come back, Keltham tries to dismiss his own truth spell. He tries not to give any outward sign. Maybe that if they can cast an illusion, but the real truth compulsion is a kind of spell he can dispel at will. The hypothetical illusion casters won't know how to remove their illusion or won't know when, right? Yeah. And so he, he goes to go vanish it or to dispel it and it doesn't vanish. Yeah. And he's like, okay, another data point. I'll check back on that. Because um, that's... That was very smart. Yeah, Right. And that actually might be conclusive proof for him once he learns, like, you know, he, he can just cast this again on, because he got three more casts of this today. Oh, shit. That's a good point. So he, he like, hey, Chris, hold still for a second. Cast, uncast, and watch it disappear. Mm-hmm. Then he's like, aha, I caught you guys. Yep. You he's know. like, there's fuckery. I cannot trust a single answer that I got. Man, this is, this is great. Uh, but he does end it with saying that he's like going around looking for all the tiny little signs of deception he can find now. And he's saying the trouble is if you go looking for enough tiny signs like that, you will eventually find some whether they exist or not, which was also our ending line. So great choice, uh, Asku and Keiko and all the rest of you guys. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a great ending note. And it's also always important to remember that in real life, that uh, if you get too suspicious and start looking for every little thing, you might find stuff that uh, that isn't even really a big deal. It's it's not a thing. You're just you're seeing what you want to find. I mean, yeah, it's it's true. The down I mean, the thing that sucks here though is that it's not paranoia if they really are out to get you. That's true. And so he he's in this terrible spot where it's like, man, I'm aware of the trap I'm setting myself up to fall into that if I go looking for signs of deception, I'm going to find them. And yet, so, you know, he's then then when he does find them, he's going to have to wonder like, okay, are these real signs of deception? Uh, or are they ones that I tricked myself into finding? Yeah. And, oh no, they're Ooh, real the ones. Mind games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, I'm looking forward to this. Me too. All right. So speaking of what we're looking forward to, uh, the target phrase to stop at for section five for people who aren't just going to the awesome, um, awesome link that gives you the entire next section in a single HTML. Uh, the target is he needs to not talk about that during lunch. And would like something like 10 minutes to himself before he talks about anything at all. <laughs> I have I have also been uh, told to forewarn the audience that this is going to be a longer section. And forewarn you, I guess. This is going to be a longer section than the previous ones we've gotten. Because at this point, they get into some actual decision theory lectures. 
and uh, they they didn't want to stop like right in the middle of a lecture, so they extended it for a bit to get to the end of it. Cool. No, I appreciate not breaking it up that way. And what's fun is I hope that this is lunch of the same day. That would be really cool. And so right after breakfast, he he went through like you know this this five dimensional chess game with grand wizards and high level spell scrolls, and like before mm-hmm. lunch, he's going through all this crap. And he's like, probably going to talk to the queen's personal devil. If he's not talking to the queen or her devil by dinner, I think the day will be a failure for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, great, man. This was fun. I guess I should say support us on Patreon. The community is helping support keeping us on track for this, giving us the the reading notes. Big Again, special shout out to uh, Keiko Lukiam. Lukiam? Kako Lukiam. Both of them work. Uh, he spelled them out for me because he's awesome for putting these together. And if we feel like making this a little bit more of a proper project, then this HTML viewer will uh, be a great source of reading this book. Man, I delivered that really well. I'm not going to do it again. We're calling it. Okay. All right, man. Thanks. Yep. See ya. <laughs>